0: This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics.
1: This is Jacob Brass with Longleaf Fertilia. And you are listening to
0: the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the
1: Herpeticulture
2: Network. Enjoy. Welcome.
0: We're here. We are back we are back we are back this is episode 153 of the Herpeticulture podcast i am justin smith of palmetto coast exotics
1: and i am jacob bratz of long leaf i'll tell you
0: herpetology herpetology long leaf herpetology <laughs> uh, this episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. give them a, a, a send them a message like them Facebook, Instagram. Check out their website. If you need a new rack, you need a new cage. Please hit them up. Very, uh, very
1: responsive. Very nice people. <laughs> Some of the best in the business, bar none. Damn, Skippy. And Checking if you're gonna out.
0: be in the Marietta, Georgia region, the weekend of March 12th and 13th, they will be vending the Show Me Snake Show, and we will be there hanging out. So probably if that you're gonna that be there, there, a lot. That's gonna be a good, yes. good time to get. Your hands on some of their stuff.
1: Yep, and feel those buttery smooth tubs sliding in out of those racks.
0: Slicker than grease. Slicker than grease, boy. Uh, so check them out, and then Steve Rare and his Venom Hot Sauce. Check him out too. Get you some hot sauce. You're helping him with public education, outreach, relocation, rehabilitation. Um, relocation. Did I say relocation? You don't even know you any paying attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry. you're helping Steve Got out. Distracted. If you get his if you get his hot sauce, you're helping him out with all the stuff he's doing. Um and then if you want to see the reviews for his other like his whole line of hot sauces, you can go and check out Jeff and Kendra at yeah. Reptile News Radio. They've been doing some videos with his stuff.
1: And they're doing a giveaway of his hot sauce oh, soon yeah. at a, was it at too. the show or I think yeah, yeah it's it was an at the Reptile show, yeah.
0: I don't remember which one exactly. It might be the that, Pack Northwest show. Yeah, I the think. one
1: that they they vend all the time. Yes. So, yeah, if you're going to be at that show, check that out. Put in for the raffle, I Get you some hot sauce. It's the best, me of the and, best.
0: Me and Jake are matching with our Nefruis Initiative. Yes, which is completely unplanned. But. Shameless
1: plug to Phil Wolf, the other the other part of the herpeticulture Network. It's my man. It's our dog. Obviously, we didn't even plan this. We're just that cool
0: uh but this week we are joined once again i'm actually going back right now and looking through episodes to yeah i was gonna, gonna ask uh,
1: i feel like kai was our third guest i think he was definitely the first five i don't remember
0: i'm digging as we speak <coughs> it been definitely at least a couple years
1: oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, it sure. was it's been yeah you were one of our first first guests definitely anyway. yeah.
3: That was I remember, episode. I think 22. it was when I when I first moved here, um, to Southern California, and I think I did a podcast either with you guys while I was here or while I was up north. I can't remember, but um, it was just during the transitional move. Yeah, and I've only been here for a couple of years now, maybe two to three years max. So yeah, I
1: gotcha. Now it was right at three years ago, I think. Yeah, thereabouts. That goes yeah. back. To us. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was. We were going through people, and I I wanted to have some people back on, you know, just to have like updates and stuff. And I thought of you, and I was like, man, we need to get Kai back on here. That was a good episode. He works a lot of cool stuff. You got a lot of a lot of
3: new shit happening. So yes,
0: a lot yeah. has has changed since uh, yeah. since then.
3: Yeah, a lot is a lot has gone into work. Uh, more so, I guess, when we were first um, getting onto that first podcast. Um, I was just starting off with everything, whether it was like the just hatching out my first clutch, you know, of mangroves. Yep. Um, I wasn't even hatching out Kimberly's yet. Um <clears throat> the grasshopper stuff, basically everything's taken off. Um, and so we'll probably get into a little bit of everything today. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. So
0: it was January 4th of 2019. January
1: oh. 4th of 29. Okay, so yeah, Episode it's been 22. over two. It's been over three years. Yes. Wow, we—that's awesome.
3: Time goes by, man. Yeah, man,
1: that's crazy. That blows. That blows my mind. I, I can't believe we'd be having you on again three years later. If you'd have told me that three years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I don't
3: know about no, I, that. I can't believe that I have had quite a bit of success in that time too.
1: Yeah, man, I've been following you ever since that episode, and I man, you've just been banging and growing and pumping, pumping cool, cool stuff out. Yeah um so i guess we you can jump on into this so let's uh start with start with our updates on your mangroves because i know that was kind of your main project yeah. you know when we first had that episode so comparatively now like you just mentioned you were working on like your first clutch you know
3: where where has that gone in the last um, three years i'm probably about seven or eight clutches in now that are nice. fully hatched you know um to be honest uh some clutches basically didn't do too well Mm. initially um it'll be like a parthenogenic clutch or clutch would only have like a a a fraction of them hatch out so not 100% hatch rate i've been getting better hatch rates but still not not like what i want but but better than you know not getting anything at all so
1: right are you are you tweaking like how you incubate to try and get better hatch rates or do you think it's just Um, the
3: animals I think it's a little bit of both i've been also tweaking the incubation methods as well Mm -hmm. like i got a new incubator in the time frame you know Mm -hmm. um i went from like a little little homemade um uh, mini fridge Mm -hmm. to a uh i I now have like um sea serpents yeah that, uh, that that two foot or it's like probably waist high that one um nice And getting to learn that one, it's a little bit different. I've never used the fan before, so I'm using a fan now. I don't, I don't know if it's causing ill effect, but um, I'm having decent hatch rates, so not bad at all. Most of the stuff is just about hatching. Uh, You know, occasionally there's the one or two egg or or part of a clutch that just doesn't go the distance, and I'm Mm -hmm. okay with that. You know. Yeah, Um, that's
1: certainly not uncommon in reptile breeding. That's for sure. I think in both clutches of carpets I hatched, I had at least two bad eggs if not, maybe one one on my last one two on my first and,
3: yeah so uh, yeah it's pretty you know, it, I, I the ch- i won't i won't even really chalk it up as a loss it's just all right it's it's just part of the game right so um yeah, yeah that's where yeah, i'm at sure. now i guess um i'm now into my third or fourth um different type of mangrove monitor that i've hatched so the very first. Oh, wow. one, yeah, very first one was Solomon Island. Um, the next one was uh, some in, some Indonesian ones, <clears throat> and then I crossed the Indonesian one with a Kai Island one. That was my third one, um, and then I have now recently just hatched out uh, one Kai Island monitor, um, and basically they're just you know the new ones that I'm working with now are basically uh, named after Michael Cole of uh, Ballroom Pythons, mm. right, and. um, and basically, he helped facilitate bring these animals in and at the same time uh, work on their studies over on the islands and everything like that with the people there. Um, I, I once saw these animals just through pictures, um, that John uh, Dragness shared from Sim Container, right? Mm-hmm. And he shared these pictures like when I was like 12 or 13 years old, you know. And I knew then, like, dang, those are really gorgeous animals, right. but they weren't available um until you know i think a couple years ago at pomona um uh, people were telling me that michael had some females for sale and um you know that that's my main focus of the whole aspect of what's going on here is that yeah. project but i still have you know regular mangroves doing their biz i don't have any indonesians anymore um just because um they got way too big for what i one mm-hmm. two, you know um and then i still have you know the kimberly rocks going but <clears throat> the Chi Island project and veranus coli is what they're called uh, or kohl's monitors um they're my main project i have quite a few of those i basically bought all the ones that i found available um and now i have maybe eight or nine animals give oh, or wow. take yeah nice at least seven or eight i i have to like kind of go through some are mutts so one one or two of them are mutts and the rest are all peers. um you so you think they were
0: crossed with other like localities
3: oh no i personally bred the ones oh okay. The, okay i got you gotcha. yeah so um <clears throat> i i at, at, at the time i just had monitors right just mangroves and mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. like, willing to willing to learn them whichever way so I thought all of them were basically compatible so i kind of just started mixing them mixed localities they looked way different but if they were going to breed they bred and and then you know i actually got some eggs out of this breeding one time and so i got to keep a couple of the babies and then what whichever ones i sold to um you know i kind of watched them be raised by friends and stuff like that right now the where this project has gone to now, like the whole mangrove thing, right? Like I have had parthenogenic stuff, right? So that's one aspect of the hatching that I'm doing here. They're not even breeding, they're just laying fertile eggs without oh, breeding. Right. And then I've taken the ones that I've raised from those parthenogenic clutches and bred them back to females. Mm-hmm. So all of the ones that I've been able to hatch out parthenogenically have been males raised mm-hmm. up bred back and then i've been able to sell those offspring. so like i hatched, i just hatched some out in like oct- october or something like that right and mm-hmm. so i still have some of those babies that are waiting for the weather to warm up to ship off um and then i've done the crossing of indonesian and kyle and stuff i'm taking the 50 percent trying to breed those back to peers to make 75 percent mm-hmm. make an even better looking animal now these are kind of like my line right Mm -hmm. stuff that doesn't really exist yet obviously just because it's so new and then you know there's you're not going to be able to copy this without having my animals you know right um, now um uh there's that part which to make 75 percenters at one point i only have one male right and um so he's very hard to breed just because he's so mean and um, he will will breed big females that will fight him back right and they kind of you know he he can't push them around so much yeah they keep (laughs) check. all the the little girls he's kind of beating them up really bad and all the little ones are the pure ones Um, oh uh, yeah that's where that's where making the 75 percenters and then maybe utilizing those to breed to some of the pure females to make a um, 100% through using uh, an Indonesian as the carrier, you know what I mean? Um, right, and so hopefully, I'll have some decent looking animals. Possibly, there'll still be just my line, though. Um, I do have now more males. Um, I have availability to two more males. I have one that's he just got here like three, four days ago, and okay. um, I have another one that, um, you guys probably know him um aubrey from uh damn I forget but he breeds retics i forget his, his i think it's like a and b exotics or something like oh that. yeah um well yeah he hasn't he has he's in this whole group effort um you know me michael and and aubrey we're basically um carrying all these animals that we're trying to solidify in the united states and um uh, basically get them situated where we can have more successful clutches and all that stuff like that. I've been only the one that's successfully been able to even cohabitate them. But Uh um, for the most part, I'm kind of leading within this project right now. Everybody else just has the animals um, getting somewhat of in more infertile clutches or actually killing some of the males as well. Um, So it's been a, yeah, it's been a real tough, uh, tough project even myself like i've had the current male that i have that's pure you know they'll they fight a lot he's he's bitten off a couple of tails uh, like the very tips and stuff like that uh, he's he's maimed a couple of them so it's it's a it's not an easy project at all. Right. You know, i wish i was doing like argus monitors or or Ackies or something that wasn't so aggressive towards each other but um you know these guys are yeah they're they're pretty Pretty nuts when it comes to um, cording and breeding. I basically have to land it right on ovulation or Mm -hmm. I don't get no play at all. Yeah. So that's the very tough part. And um, if I, you know, basically misjudge it by a few days, it can be detrimental to the female, Um, you know, miss some and then I miss the clutch, you know, right? So, right.
0: um, Yeah. You keep track of it. Like how are you? Uh, how are you I'm, able to to sort of nail it down in terms of regular? Yeah, so I'm paying attention
3: to be- behavior mostly, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I do have a ultrasound that I bought a year ago. I mm-hmm. don't know how to use that that well. It's not that I not that it's hard. It's juggling a monitor. Juggling yeah,
1: probe, yeah, I can only imagine. That's... Yeah,
3: juggling the probe, and then you have to press buttons as well. So I essentially had to have three sets of hands. Mm-hmm. I really can be the one that's only holding the animal other than I have to have, I have another person here that's good with monitors but if it's only me it's me holding the monitor the petroleum jelly stuff and then my mm-hmm. holding the probe and and the, the actual monitor that that we got right um and so you know that that juggle alone is is quite difficult so that and then learning how to read what we're looking at on the thing um was kind of hard to see follicles but that's what i was hoping to do right bought the ultrasound didn't really go as i planned i still have it i'm still working with it a little bit here and there as i go as i think i need it and during the situation i'll see if i could see anything but it's hard to make out stuff so right. i think i have the wrong probe maybe my my probe is more meant for like little hamsters and rats <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah not for like uh not for a, a monitor lizard or or yeah. more medium animal you know
1: right and i've yeah. dude i've seen some of those and they if you you really gotta know what you're looking at on yeah. these things to, yeah. to tell exactly what it is right um, yeah. so yeah. i'm
3: really just waiting for the monitors to either get this really pear shape right and then they I obviously haven't been feeding them a ton and um the mo- the male is going to be kind of honor um man i had a male break through the barrier just to get to the other side to breed with the female oh wow Um, yeah yeah so uh so i mean luckily he didn't harm her at all which is weird right a week this is how how crazy it is a week prior to him breaking through and breeding he bit off three inches of her tail oh my um, right and i'm like wow that's that's just that's pleasant you know like you're a killer but I love her at the he just, same time. Yeah, he was yeah, just so well.
0: exhausted from busting through the barrier. That he like, you know what? I just let's make it yeah, cordial so, this time. So, are
1: they are they naturally aggressive breeders, or are they just aggressive? Yeah, I
3: think in, they're solo animals for sure. Right, mm-hmm. just um, until it's
1: ready to ready breeding season, they come together for that one time, I and can then they start Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I wait for them to have this like pear shaped and then also kind of for them to go off food a bit. If they kind of refusing food and they don't look gravid, they're likely going through uh, the the beginning stages of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And then I'll introduce him slightly right after that. Right. Um, so yeah. do you
1: do you introduce the male and watch them like for the first few minutes? If it's not yeah, going well, just pull them out right definitely. away. But if it I, is I, if it is going well at first, is it okay? To leave them alone,
3: or do you sit there and watch them until it's done? No, I sit there and I watch them, and I'm home for twenty four or forty eight hours. Like I gotta have that. All right, he's cool. They're cool for ten minutes, but you know what if. That can she, change like, at
2: any moment. yeah
3: she crawls on him wrong he doesn't like it and and then bam i have to separate them or more so of I, I even see i kind of like before i used to be a little like a little like uh i used to be too cautious for my animals right and then i'd be so scared for right. me to lose a, an important female right yeah, so I'd, yeah. I'd pull her right away um i've learned now that they heal like Wolverine almost right where right. And, uh, if the bite was a slice it's going to be healed in a couple of days it'll right. just yeah but if it's you know obviously a lot deeper then it's going to take a lot longer but if they're quick slices and sure that it is a little bloody um i just leave them i just let them kind of sort their their differences out a little bit right. now if it gets to the point where he's trying to like you know pull her arm off and or he's like ripping you know limbs and tails off then it's it's a bit it's a bit much and I'll obviously remove her then um but yeah it's uh my style now I'm breeding it's a bit different because I couldn't just grab all the males and females just because not only are they tripping on each other right already right but some of them aren't tame so they're also tripping on me too yeah where they're like oh man he's they're frantic he's gonna grab me there's other lizards around you know that's that's gonna try to kill me so it's kind of like a double whammy right right um and so i've gotten to the point where i don't even touch them anymore and i just lift the latch and they get to go to the other side or not and then if i want to um keep them from each other i just close the latch or zip tie it it closed you know because they're they're trying to break through Uh, before i had a little you know a little piece of board that basically just closed the thing but he's he they've learned to move the board and then still get through so now i have to zip tie it closed chase <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> yeah. smart animals man how
0: so. awesome is it though to to walk into your room and have something that you saw as a kid and didn't think you'd ever have, because that's I mean, that's the experience yeah. I get when I take out rhino rats. I remember rhino rats when Pro yeah. Exotics first had them back in like the early two thousands and stuff, mm-hmm. and thinking like those are the coolest snakes ever, and I'm probably never going to own one. Yeah. Same with yeah. green trees. Like I used to see the Signal herb ads and reptiles, the full page, mm-hmm. and it's got all the different like blue and yellow chondros, but it has like yeah. the little weird sort of neon backlit effect right. on them, and I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I'm probably never going to own one. And now. Yeah. It's, it's wild
3: man it's like um i used to watch and look at these pictures on kingsnake.com you know Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. when you go to the classified section and you click on monitors it's the very first picture is three little kimberley's right um and you know the coli weren't too public and they weren't in high demand because they never were really available right um but i have all my dream animals now you know yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so i really don't want to take it for granted i try to, yeah. not to you know i try not to push them to breed but we're you know so it's it is a bit about the money too you know because you gotta have some money go back into your hobby you know yeah mm-hmm. and um but uh you know i try not to push them to breed too much they're just uh they're there for me to learn and then if i you know when we get to me getting to the point where i'm getting better and better with them then you know we'll get to breeding. But at, at this point I want to take it easy as mm-hmm. if the animals fit then I'll I'll do it. But other than that, they just sit there. Some of them are just pets, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got some really, really dope animals. Some that are look more like Xanthic stuff that are just blue and blue and white and gray rather than the typical
0: black with yellow spots. Yeah. So, yeah, so is, these... this, there's always gonna be someone though we've talked about that yeah. in the past with other stuff like If it's not for people like yourself that are putting in the time with things that, you know, was commonly sort of overlooked in comparison to other species in a certain group, you know, like these are the species that sort of fall between the cracks and and get lost to the hobby for for years, if not forever, depending on what importation looks like, but... Like pushing the envelope and experimenting a little bit, and sort of trying to see what works and crack the code on things. Like,
2: yeah, there is a, a, a fine stuff.
0: line, but it right. you know it's not out of the question to, to try things, even yes. if no one else is willing to do it. Like, someone's got to got to experiment and figure it out.
3: Right, like uh, I guess like, you know, with Moralia or species like that, like uh, Boldens, right? Or how you know it's not as easy. Not every everybody wants it, right. but not everyone has it and not everybody can do it, right? Right. And so it's uh left to some of those guys that are willing to test theories out and go the full the full distance on, on what, right. they, what their theories are to test out. And I think like for with the Bolins, right? I think it was keeping them extremely cooler than most of the other snakes. And that's what really got mm-hmm. you know got them to work. Um something like that, I think. That, that's what the reading was but for example you know for example because i think a lot of the fault the guys that follow you are a lot of snake guys that follow you guys right oh yeah yeah and so you know the clear example if it, if no one was to do this species or the other species like it and it's not even it doesn't even have to be like a top dollar dream animal it can just be like nile monitors right
0: oh, for no sure. one's yeah. no one's
3: breeding those things but
0: I don't yeah, really tend- know anybody that's even seriously keeping those anymore. Right. I mean, I'm sure it exists because I see some on my local Craigslist periodically, but I yeah, yeah, really don't see right. Niles outside of the babies at shows. And who right. knows what happens right. to those after you know, a month. Yeah, and again, so what I'd like
3: is whatever I'm doing that's um, hard with these mangroves, right? A lot of people don't want to do these species either because they don't bring in money you know, mm-hmm. or they obviously, you know, the, the work and the space and energy and all that stuff like that that goes into it really outweighs what you can possibly yes. do So people don't do it, right? Um A lot, that's when, you know, when people are really calculating it and it doesn't weigh out, sometimes if the passion, the passion wasn't there to begin with, it was just about money, right?
2: Um, right.
3: You really, really be like, even if it's a $20 Savannah monitor, you got to really be, um dedicated to that species to really want to get it to breed and and even if you're not going to make any money off of it still be satisfied with
0: what you got Mm -hmm. going on you know well that's Um, a prime example i think too of a species that no one breeds because they come in so cheap as imports like worse it's the the work to reward ratio is severely offset so that's why they're pretty much largely ignored i would it's in terms of captive breeding
3: yeah and you know these guys that are maybe one day we won't get nows anymore, and they won't be fifteen dollars, twenty dollars anymore. They'll right. be several hundred dollars because they're a gorgeous animal. Um, you know, it's just uh, the timing, and so the timing to to do them, and like even black roughnecks, or I don't know, um, another another crazy import uh, blue tail monitors or Peach mm-hmm. Throat. You know, those guys are high in high demand. Uh, you know they typically sell pretty well are imported at a a sort of average cost not too much but not really cheap either like a na monitor you know right a few hundred dollars and um i think people want to try to breed them and i know definitely there's a couple people that have um pears and stuff like that it's just uh really thinking out the box here with what i'm doing with the mangrove monitors i'm keeping them a lot cooler I feed a lot less. I'm no longer just pounding and pounding and pounding to expect them to do the deed for me. Right. Mm-hmm, um, right. I'll, I'll have a lot of things more played out. Um, the time frame on how I'm doing stuff um, when I do it, as far as feeding and stuff goes, I'm very strict on my diet now rather than just, you know, just um, all right, I think you're cycling. Let me just feed you that feed the hell out of you. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually lost a couple females this way trying to get them to double clutch and, you know, or trying to get them to go into the cycle by feeding them a whole lot of fatty stuff. Um, If that's what I learned is it can also be. um, uh, um, What's that word here? Um, uh, Basically works against what you're trying to do here. Um and so counterproductive. You know, counterproductive, yeah. So I feel like yeah. um when I was just feeding the hell out of them after they'd lay or or even if they were pretty skinny and I wanted to kind of get them into a cycle, right? Um I realized if there wasn't time ready for them and I was just feeding the hell out of them, they just ended up fat. And mm-hmm, I ended right. up killing, killing a couple this way, um, just by just by that alone. Um I think I was just kind of pushing it too heavy, and they ended up having issues. And basically, um, stuff was backed up in them. Food was rotting in them when I opened the animals up. You know,
0: oh, um, okay. yeah.
3: so really, really tough. And then the fat too was 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 there and really prominent. So um, I wouldn't say that they were they were like really lean animals. So now my animals are a lot leaner, unless it's time to produced right and sure they're getting food but i have it more um like before i was using okay i was trying to get them to cycle really well and carry on the whole thing so i'd use mice a lot and um just Mm -hmm. because you know adult mice have pretty good content but then sometimes they can be really fat too depending on where you get them from yeah yeah and so um now i use like quail chicks Um, I don't use egg a ton anymore um, just because just like high-calorie, high-cholesterol with the eggs too, right? So they're just fat. And so uh, I don't use egg a ton, but when I need to carry a female from her skinny state into a cycle, I'll use Mm -hmm. egg in that period there, but I won't continually use it throughout the whole process anymore. That makes sense. It it adds extra heftiness to the whole meal. Yeah. It's pretty dense. Um, those calorie protein bombs uh, and uh, fat bombs that I'm adding initially are just that, that diet, like egg, mice, and some chick, right. Or a combination of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I'm scaling them back or I'm, I'm carrying them through, um, I'm feeding them stuff with pretty high in calcium, but low and low in fat. So like crawfish and shrimp and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where the shell in a crawfish actually has quite a good amount of Calcium content right. as well, right? And so, um, and but they're lean foods, so they'll still give good stuff to the eggs, right? And without depleting so much from the females, right? Um, and so, um, it's not that I don't I still dust a bit, but it's just I'm no longer utilizing big mice and rat pieces because they have good bone content. I'm using it in a different way now, right? Um, and then coming out of lane, most people with monitors are throwing a bunch of food at the monitor right away getting it to eat a bunch you know basically giving it back what it took from the eggs right Right. Um, so what i uh, do now is just give a little bit of food and carry them on and keep them lean after that whole thing and it, it it actually is a lot easier for me to send them into a whole nother cycle in 60 days if i wanted to and the animal is a lot more easier to read rather than coming out of the the whole thing
0: really hefty already yeah i'm sure that's much that that aligns more with natural natural history and stuff too i'm
1: sure it's much easier on their systems you know yeah kind of a shock too you go from not eating much and and yeah exactly
3: right and so now um now it's just being a little bit more cautious and strict with every female, right? So um, before I used to kind of put all of them within a um, a schedule and a time frame on what I wanted to do stuff. but now it's all right, if you're gonna be breeding and you're breeding now you' there's a male with you, then we're gonna feed you this way. Um, if you're by yourself, we'll, we'll feed you similar but we, we know you're by yourself and there's no need to either pound you. We're just going to feed you two to three times a week. You know, nothing, nothing like if you were to be breeding, you'd be fed maybe five or six times a week, but small meals. Right. 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 Um. Yeah. So something like that, where that's what I'm kind of doing now with my stuff. And um, I have so many animals that there is quite a bit to do. Um, and, playing like musical cages and stuff too yeah. you know <laughs> keep yeah. track of
0: everybody and where yeah, they're at. Keep
3: track of everybody like right now since mike sent me a couple more monitors to try since i've hatched the one and i'm trying to get more um bloodline and more options to plug and play with males and females um yeah there's just a lot to juggle and trying to keep things from killing each other you know <laughs> yeah that
1: sounds like it would be the biggest factor in it all is keeping your animals safe like trying, yeah. to, trying to breed them
3: yeah the, like the other day man like three or four different fights were going on oh geez <laughs> yeah, yeah. royal rumble and <laughs> right i was i told my lady i was like you know what you're gonna have to cup the grasshoppers today because i got to uh, like i gotta move stuff and we have to is patch he stopping the murder? i have to um grab like a a few, like I had to actually make a jug of, of iodine and water, you know, just so I can rinse some of these wounds off real quick and oh, throw geez. the animals back in the cage. Yes. It's a Be
0: in the it's, corner man, basically.
3: It's nuts, man. Yeah. So uh, just basically trying to keep animals from killing each other. Some stuff I had to separate um, just cause I didn't, I already knew that it, it was going to end bad by the way they're behaving. So um, some stuff, you know they're not so bad. It's just more of like a, a huff and puff, and an animal mm-hmm. runs across the cage, and right. if they're not biting too much. Then I'll I'll leave them, um, but once they start biting at each other's arms and pulling it and stuff like that, then I'll 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 pull them apart.
1: So have you ever been on the receiving
3: end of one of those uh, one of those? Bites? Yeah, yeah, man. I got a female. <laughs> I have a female that purposely drops the food after she takes it from the tongs. And when I go to pick it up to give it back to her, oh, she God. reached. Yeah, she'll, she'll grab my pinky. She's actually hit me a couple of times for sure already. Like, oh, geez. Yeah, she's smart, real smart. Um, that's the one where I get bit from. You know, basically the most. Um, there's been a couple of times where I've woken up a, a monitor lizard, and um, even though he was tamed and he's really good. I think he just took it as like, oh man, he's tapping my head with food, you know? And he bit right. me. Yeah. And so um that that was actually a pretty bad bite on my like my my middle finger across my middle finger and across my index finger. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So that bled pretty bad. Um, but okay, so what I recently found out, or more so, of adding it together, you know, um Dr. Fry from Australia has uh done research and found that monitors had some toxins in their lower jaw right yeah Um, i guess supposedly they're venomous um i i you know there's people don't put a whole lot of weight behind it because people don't die from it right
2: right Right. it's
3: just like a bee sting where if you were to have possibly an ill effect you'll probably go to the hospital and then get you know uh pan or or Mm -hmm. some type of yeah some type of um, inflammation helper or something like that to help you with what's going on. But, um, when I get bit now, or when I get a uh, bit by mangroves and they hang on, um, man, I, I'm pretty much out for a couple of days with like dry sweats. Um, really? Um, yeah. Pretty, uh, kind of basically knocks me out a little bit. Um, I don't feel like doing a whole lot, even if there is a lot to do. I basically do it a whole lot slower. Um, and then, uh, man, this last time I was like talking gibberish for a few hours. My lady says,
2: "No, um, man, yeah. really."
3: Hot sweats, cold sweats, just basically feeling like I was just sick. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I had to sit out for a couple of days with with a bite from a from a baby too, from a baby mangrove. It, it was actually it wasn't wow, even a baby. Um, but yeah, man, it's you know it has some type of blood thinner in it the bite may have not been so bad but it was like a quick slice right right and i think i think the blood the blood thinner makes it bleed and it makes it look really bad yeah right oh, yeah make the blood makes it look really bad but the wound if it's a slice it typically heals pretty pretty well um do yeah. do you think well has it
1: been like that since like the first time you got bit by one or has it progressively gotten worse every time you've gotten bit
3: yeah i think it's someone so uh brown told me that she's noticing all her bites get worse and her her reactive her her body's reaction get get a lot worse um me i'm not exactly sure i've i've had some and i think i was probably just too young and dumb to pay attention before you know Mm -hmm. and just like bulldoze through the bite without any issue but now maybe since i'm older i respond to them a little bit differently or something i don't know right yeah yeah,
0: i mean like i'm I'm allergic to dubia and it seems to get anytime i get like a serious um i think it's mostly almost like a dander thing that seems to be the big trigger of it but yeah i've noticed it's uh it seems to progressively get worse every time i have a serious sort of incident i mean right. that that's
1: mm-hmm. what they say about getting bit by venomous snakes like the yeah, more yeah, the more you that. get bit by a venomous snake the worse it gets which, usually which i don't know if it's a strange that's fact or not but you know i do be a
0: thing now like yeah i like double up on mask i wear gloves the more you're exposed well, and man, even then, yeah. i need to like i need to probably start wearing goggles or something while i'm doing yeah
3: it. it's, it's just, uh it's brutal that uh that whole dubious so I remember when Dubious first, you know, first came out when I was, you know, when we're when we were really young, you know, right. The roach scene was there, but only for like really niche people that wanted to that were producing their own roaches. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't where everybody can just buy roaches all the time. You were getting crickets and butterworms and wax worms and mealworms then, you know. Um, but, you know, doing the roaches, I used to do like orange heads and Dubious, too. And it wasn't so bad, but. When I got older and I was doing dubious, and I try to have a huge bin, the frass and the dust, and just dealing with dubious. Period. I mean, even now, like a uh, buying a cup from the store and opening it, man, it's like automatically I get the sniffles and sneeze, and my eyes get all watery. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I don't, I don't know what it is. And it wasn't that bad when I was younger dealing with them and bringing yeah. them and being all in the bin, but now I can't even. I don't even invite them into my house unless i know something's gonna just eat them and devour them like right there right away yeah yeah. i buy like 30 to 50 and they're gone you know yeah that's it i don't have any sitting around or and, and i just feel like it gets worse yeah 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 it's a secret uh it's a man for people that are out there or even you man uh, you might have to have some even more protective than your double mask, you know, for for breeding the dubics. It's a slow killer. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think some people just don't understand all that and getting into your respiratory system and making you all riled up, right? Um,
0: yeah, yeah, like my throat literally starts to close up. Like no, it, 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 yeah. last time I had a serious exposure to him, like I was on the couch for for a, a, a minute, and I was. Wasn't like severely struggling to breathe, but it was definitely it whee-
1: wheezing a bit.
0: Yeah. Like, right. I took Benadryl and was just sitting there waiting for it to to start working its magic. Cause I mean, was cause that dude, that's shallow. One of, like my breathing got pretty shallow. That's like one of those things like, you won't bad. know
1: it's it's gonna be bad, bad yeah. until it is. You know, there's gonna be right. that time that it gets so bad, all of a sudden you can't breathe and you're laid up on the just floor,
3: asphyxiated, like, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, um, it's
0: it's, so damn expensive, this- otherwise, I'd have one on hand or something.
3: There's like people that you know have these in your room or you know uh, man it's just uh, uh, if you're allergic to it and you know you're you have them just free all exposed and it's not like in a in an extra room where you're not always in that room you know mm-hmm. um, yeah be careful you know just uh, maybe get yourself checked out or take the right medication or have pretty good ventilation. Uh, Don't be all.
0: Yeah. What's even more bizarre because Dr. Wyman, you know, he he talked about us, he has a similar thing, and he's like, I got sensitized to shrimp and stuff because of it, but I can still eat shrimp and stuff like that and have no problems, which is strange because normally those two sort of would go hand in hand just because of how closely. I guess related they are as gross as that is. Let's see.
1: I wonder if it would be a thing if like you were dealing with live shrimp or if you were actually like, you know, pulling the heads off shrimp and skinning them and stuff. Have you done that? I think maybe it's just
0: because I've been eating shrimp my entire life. Maybe. That it's not a foreign protein to my body like it is with Dubia. I I don't know, but I can eat all that
3: stuff. just eat a cup full of Dubias every week so you get...
1: (laughs) Spoonful of Maybe a day if the Nuclear it keeps war the dump is happening. That, that
0: seems like we're approaching. <laughs> tell tell Katie, like, we're good on food if, if nuclear war happens. Like we've got, got the roaches, we've got days. the mice, we've got the <laughs> wax worms, the <mealworm>. it's,
3: it's <laughs> why I do. It's why I do the grasshoppers. Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> there's absolutely no smell to the grasshoppers. I mean, I can have months and months of poop piled up and there's no crazy dust like that. It's weird. Um, you would think it yeah. would be
0: like crickets. Like you know how crickets, they just right. they smell real bad. But they're no like really smell. high nitrogen.
3: Yeah. No smell. No chirping. No dying fast. Um. Man, they just so. Well, that's grasshop- a good.
1: That's a good segue into that. I think that's yeah. your the biggest thing that has changed with you since our last episode. You are breeding grasshoppers like a madman. Yeah. How's that? This, uh, how that business is going?
3: That's that's it's I mean it's it's great I can't complain you know it's growing um for for one when we first when we first did that podcast I had like twenty five right, right. <laughs> something like that you know just uh, we were and even prior to that me and Dean were killing a lot of them so mm. we we had our own our own projects that we didn't even know each other had you know I was catching some he was catching some some of us would we would have partial success Uh, honestly i'd kill most of the ones that i caught because i was feeding them the wrong thing um i'd have some and then i just fed them off to my animals if i thought that they were going to kick the bucket um but you know we finally got into you know tapping into the actual um pleasant species to work with the non-toxic stuff we have to kind of weave out when we traveled the Not the whole United States, but along the West Coast, up and down to Vegas, um, San Diego, Sacramento, just all sorts of places where, um, you know, people were reporting them and stuff like that. And and where there are known sightings and basically we go and try to catch them, you know, go herping. And basically instead of herping, we're looking for grasshoppers with nets. And man, I, I was fucking Dean had me in the Mojave at 105 degrees, bro we were throwing boulders and like like rocks into trees to knock these grasshoppers out cuz we couldn't Jeez. we couldn't climb these thin branches right they were mm-hmm. just giant bushes rather and and um, they were up there at the very top we we can see the wind blowing them and they'd flutter right and so <laughs> they wouldn't come down though a couple would come down and we actually caught a couple of them but and I picture just launching rocks and you're just exhausted in the heat and you're you got to remember like we're in the mojave like it's just blistering on us you know yeah Yeah, and so like
0: a giant oven and
3: we're just in this in the sun just launching rocks and um nothing would really come down or it would come down and go to the next tree or something like that and right um yeah we ended up catching a couple stuff like that that's how we ended up with uh most of our species and now we have probably i don't know maybe 10 species that we have working with between the two of us. Um, and basically, you know, uh, blanketing the whole United States a little bit. It's been, um. so the gain is that they're, they're not, they're not legal just like that. Okay. It's I ha- we're, we're fully permitted. So we had basically to go through all the state regulations for USDA. Yeah. Cause they, they're they, like yeah, an agricultural
0: nightmare, right? Right. Right. Like there's so, a potential for serious problem. If, At least with non-native species that's what their biggest concern is
3: exactly and um and so every state is a little bit every state is known to grow not every state but most states are known to grow some type of crop or contribute some way you know um Mm -hmm. so you know most of the states are pretty specific on what i send and so i have to be approved for that state to send certain species things like that um so you know you really have to Get into the the whole legality process before you really expand your your thing. You know, yeah. if you guys are just feeding your 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 grasshoppers to your pets, not really an issue. Um, but once you begin to start selling them or have them in such large quantities where it's a major worry, um, then you know you, your your permit and stuff like that come into play, or where they need to come into play, um, just because you know you want to do it the right way. You know, absolutely. But with the grasshopper stuff, man, uh, I guess um, I I I quit my job uh, it it during the whole COVID stuff, you know.
1: Right.
3: Started doing grasshoppers because the demand was just so crazy. Um, So is
1: that how you kind of got started with it? Like, did you see a gap in the hobby and you just um, decided to fill it? Or how did, how did you kind of decide to do grasshoppers? Because that's, that's a specific like bug. Normally people who breed insects, they breed a lot of different insects, but you're just like grasshoppers, you know, and you do a lot of them and obviously it's been
3: very successful. So what, what made you go that route? People from all over the other, other countries, are utilizing grasshoppers mm-hmm. you know people in the uk and, and stuff like that that are I, I wouldn't say like light years ahead of us with keeping but you know they do have other advances that we don't mm-hmm. um and so learning from those guys over there and then also seeing guys in in asia seeing them not bred for reptiles but bred for food you know right. they're sold there as um, popcorn snack type things or street mm-hmm. food. Um, they're sold on sticks dipped in honey or whatever. Right. And um, yeah, so, you know, they're uh, they're uh, a commodity food over there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I learned washing, you know, people breed them and try to utilize them for food consumption, whichever way. Um, and I felt like, man, our animals can really benefit from them here. Um, cause we're, we're left with stuff that has either too much chitin, which is just hard shell, like yep. mealworms and stuff like that. Or even if you look at in comparison to size, right, a large hisser has a lot of shell. It's very, it's very hard shelled. Um, the large dubias are also pretty hard shelled. And so animals that, that shouldn't really have a lot of that in their diet or even naturally wouldn't eat that in their diet, like tree monitors, chameleon, arboreal lizards, right? They wouldn't really come down too much to be eating roaches that are naturally more on the ground because not too many roaches are highly arboreal, Mm -hmm. you know? And so those are katydids and butterflies and praying mantis and spiders, and those are all fairly soft-shelled insects. Mm -hmm. They have to be because they're flyers, right? Right. Um, And so, you know, that's just a... Just a uh, an observation, really, and then you know, looking at it, where people were finding animals, you know, scientists going through the gut content, making the animal regurgitate, or even gutting DOAs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And finding that grasshoppers, Katy stuff like that were a very much so primary diet for many animals.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, not only do they do the whole plague stuff, right? And they, you know, have so much of their offspring just go over fields and fields and fields that they're, they're a big diet for a lot of animals, just because how prolific the bugs are themselves in the wild. Uh, right. Uh, and uh, that makes it. perfect sense. Right. And so, yeah, man, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a thing where I kind of just uh, tried to realize that that was a thing that we needed to try to introduce here. We failed a lot before that. So, you know, it was like a thing that we kind of gave up on until, we found more of the right species, um, but yeah, man, it's just having having crickets die on you so fast, and the mm. smell. And, you know, you buy you buy a hundred, and you're only left to use with thirty or fifty of them because most of them dead dead the next day. Um, shipping them, they're most people are click and go like myself, where I want stuff just to arrive to my door because we're either so busy or going to the store. You know they either don't have it or don't have the right size, or let's say you, you know, the store's not going to sell you a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have to order online, and um, these these crickets end up dead because you know they don't travel well. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing with dubias, they don't travel too well. If it's too hot and sweaty in the box, or if it's too cold, they you know they die. Um, The grasshoppers, dude, I've been shipping to Alaska, the Great Lakes um, Wisconsin at below zero maybe uh, the lowest is negative 15 so far Jeez, I don't know they arrive they, <laughs> arrive they arrive live or they arrive dormant and then people just wake them up by putting them underneath a the little heat lamp um, So yeah man they're they're an extremely, Indestructible bug, almost. Other than if I
0: give them some pesticide food, the damn. Well, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, there's a reason the the you know USDA's concerned about them. Like yeah. clearly, they're 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 pretty bulletproof. It so sounds like concern if the countrywide. If the USDA, I have is some like, outside. Yeah, we, don't, we don't like these.
3: <laughs> I have some outside that I left in a cage. Right there's like I'll have a I'll clean and maybe there's one or two that you know they're in a pile of cage that's left to clean for the week um because i've emptied them out right and you know I, i don't always pick up these one or two um they're stragglers and missing a few legs or something like that and i'll have them out there for days underneath all type of weather no food and they'll just be sitting there waiting for me to pick them up they're just alive when most bugs underneath any kind of weather like that they'll just be dead you know and so uh yeah really really uh really huh
0: you keeping them in, like, screen enclosures?
3: Um, I'd use a little bit of everything. Before I did, um, just because that's what a lot of... Uh, when I'd look at examples, right, a lot of people are using mesh cages and stuff like that. I don't use too many mesh cages anymore because I was having a lot of escapees, um, especially the smaller species that I would do. And then I would lose so much heat and and my uh, yeah, my, my, my my conserving of electricity and everything like that so now i utilize like bins and stuff more
2: nope. and cages
3: yeah so everything is is trapping in heat i utilize a bit less and um yeah just i basically go from there where i've just adjusted and doing similar methods but different style cages
1: Nice. Then they are they pretty prolific breeders? Like, do they produce quite a bit?
3: Yeah, yeah. Portions. It's you know, it it takes a takes a while to get them going, and they can be Mm -hmm. pretty tricky. Um, They not only you know do they eat a lot, right? Um, If you can't really keep up with that, you're not really going to get so much as far as animals being prolific at all right Um, so uh if you they're destroying like heads of lettuce a day you know oh my god Um, or or like you know a bag of carrots last days um stuff like that where if you're not really keeping with that then they're not really going to be prolific at all but i think if Mm -hmm. someone were to be consistent with what they've got um and make sure that they're you know on top of the food on top of the the how how they're being maintained then they they do pretty well um but, yeah, it's, it really just depends on, you know, your your amount and everything like that, too. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's tricky because you can have, you know, a bunch do well, and then all of a sudden they just keel over. Mm. That's my biggest issue is um, when they hatch, they die. Uh, or when um, I have a bunch of them and all of a sudden, like, a third of the cage just starts just dropping dead. So yeah, I have, I actually don't even know how to stop that stuff yet. So I'm still, still not, I'm not new, but still learning as I go with. Still
1: you know, tweaking stuff.
3: it. Yeah. I just always tweaking it and always adding to it or, or trying to do stuff better where I don't end up with these results, but man, I've seen other people too, where their cra- their colonies just crash on them for some reason. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not, we're not understanding why just yet.
1: I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so yeah do, um, do
1: you guys produce the ones you sell, or are you still doing a lot of like uh, catching of them?
3: Oh, no, we're we're done catching them. We're we okay. already caught a lot of this the species that we kind of want to work with, or mm-hmm. having friends that are you know other states send them up to send them into us. I got you. Like yeah. Um, but um, what well, the process is basically taking what's in the wild, and we never sell what's in the wild because we don't know what they're eating,
2: right? You know,
1: sure.
3: It's uh it's one thing like lubbers that are technically toxic, but um, some other species that just like, let's say if they ate a bunch of nightshade plant or something like that, basically adds to their toxicity and okay. makes them you know unpalatable. Um, For sure. Now, uh, what we do is we take them, breed them, raise those babies, breed those, and then sell those babies that's that's all right. all, that's what we typically do to sort of domesticate and and make them more more useful or or more adaptable to what it's going to be like um now for them you know mm-hmm. as uh, as as producers some species don't do well at all man they don't they don't do well at all and um, people have uh really really tough luck with them or it's just something that that, that doesn't add up within Within all the stuff that needs to add up to raise grasshoppers, you know what I mean. Mm. So if someone were to be very inconsistent with their stuff, not, not going to work. Um, you know, bad at feeding or keeping up with food, that's no, not going to work. Um, I don't know. They want to keep them in the garage, and the garage has got a lot of smells. Probably not going to work. You know, like oh, really? Like, smells will play like, a factor with them. Like a like your. Car smell, or oh, or, okay. um, maybe like the laundry room, mm. all mm-hmm. like you know, all hot and everything like that. Yeah, stuff like that. I think, um man, there was a guy that had pest strips, so they weren't even oh touching. Him, but the pest strips huh. were were just killing all his grasshoppers, you know. No. And they would be in the room on the other side where the snakes were. Um, so wow, um, simple si- things like that too would just just kill them, you know. Um, so yeah, man, it's a, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough one where the grasshoppers themselves all just doing it, the process of getting permitted. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, And then that's not even catching them and then having to. Cup or bag them too, so
1: yeah, that's that's catching, breeding, yeah. raising, right. breeding again,
3: and then raising those
1: again and breeding to get yeah. what you have sold. You know, it definitely yeah. well, no, like what you- I
3: meant is um, catching them to cup and bag and oh, yeah, though, yeah,
1: I can only imagine <laughs> yeah. that.
3: Boy, Gee, yeah, yeah, I still gotta do all that. Like, I still do all that basically by hand. Yeah. Um, I might be able to catch more than one or two by hand, but you know, they're they, they still. There's still no fast way to do it without killing a bunch of grasshoppers in the process just because the way they jump. Mm-hmm. They're just so vigorous with how they jump.
1: I'm sure it can be difficult to keep them contained as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many how many grasshoppers will you keep to a bin?
3: Um, I guess in an 18 by 18, several hundred to a thousand. Oh, wow. Big, yeah, but that's varying sizes. If it's uh, small, sure, I can keep a bunch in there. But if they're large, maybe a few hundred max. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just because they they're they're just so they're all over trampling each other, and I want people to have good the, like the integrity of the grasshopper to hold, you know, where right. they're not like missing a bunch of legs and they're not all distorted looking, you know. I want them to get good, nice looking stuff, so I space them all out. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't, yeah, they they can't really be packed in there too much, like crickets, you know, right. Yeah.
0: How many Kimberly rock monitors are you at now?
3: Oh, man, my army. I just have two pairs. I have uh mm, Let's see here. I have about f- four juveniles that I'm looking to raise up and seeing if the sexes work out for me. Um but uh, I've I've been tempted to sell those just cuz um, yeah, I just I don't think I need that many Kimberly's I thought I did, but
0: are they as awesome ever, as everyone says they are?
3: they are man, they are they're talking to
0: Alan about some, oh yeah, I've got my I got aki's finally, I got a pair well, of aggies from him, and pretty much I just want Akkis and I want some Kim's, and that's that's where I'm drawing the line with monitors, but that's also because of Eric Burke
3: yeah, you're uh you know thinking about the the monitor wise and how these Kimberleys are. Uh, picture your Ackies but with the squirrel complex. I don't know, my Ackies <laughs> are pretty squirrely as is man. And these are more acrobatic Jeez. Yeah so you know they're they're okay. They're a lot more fragile just because their tails are different. Mm-hmm. Um, their tails aren't like like yours where they're just basically uh um studded with spikes right right these are more cylindrical tail that it's very long and pretty but the tips the tips are like pencil thin lead pencil thin right and um so that that tip basically if you don't take care of the environment right um the tail will start to go and mm-hmm. it'll It'll either dry up on itself, or it'll whip it around. And let's say if it is dry, it'll just split. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's uh, they they're 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 tricky. I've had some where I thought I was keeping them well enough and humid enough, and then they also end up with a little bit of blisters, like bumble. It's called bumblefoot, right, on their mm-hmm. blisters on their toes. Um, and uh, I've had to dry them up after that because. You know, it's keeping them slightly too humid. There's a there's a balance um, where you have to basically apply enough moisture into the soil, but not have it like wet all over. Yeah, them. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and So it's a it's a it's a tr- it's it's tricky, but yeah, they're basically more arboreal. They uh, spend so much more time in like um like how you know how you have stacks for your your mm right? Mm-hmm um picture them now vertical stacks or not vertical but they they they're just stacking from the, Taller, wall, yeah. from the wall coming outwards and so they'll you'll have the wall and then you know whatever flats and they'll love those those vertically stacked flats rather than having horizontal stack flats you know and um yeah tight gaps elevated tubes mind spin majority of their time up up top but they come down and they dig they do all that other stuff too um but yeah my kimberly's are really dope i uh i have two pairs um unrelated stuff and yeah man they're uh, i have i have about five eggs cooking right now i have another female due to lay she keeps on digging a storm so i actually have no idea what's going on but she's due to lay because she won't eat so
0: Mm. what size are your are your adults in setup wise
3: Mm, my bigger pair are in a four by four by two foot deep and then I have the smaller pair in a two by three okay um so yeah nothing nothing too huge um the smaller pair is separated so the female lives in there by herself and then that the, the male is. Motherfucker is too vigorous, so he can't, stay <laughs> he can't stay with that female. Um, just because he's always on her, and I don't want to kill her, you know. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> Last year she had like eight or nine clutches.
0: Wow.
3: Yeah. That eight is- or nine clutches.
0: How often was she, was she dropping those? Basically
3: every every like every forty five days or so. Wow.
1: Are they all in, all infertile?
3: no um, most were fertile wow most were fertile maybe 2 to 3 clutches were infertile but most were most That's were good. insane yeah they're they you know people think that they're hard and they they can be if you don't have stuff hooked up they'll never do stuff for you if you do it wrong um so if you overfeed them they'll never they'll, they'll you know they'll breed once good right mm-hmm. but you keep them fat they'll stop um let's see here uh can get them to breed and lay as much as Aki's, as much as people breed Aggies. and you know you see people like Alan posting like every other month, right? Yeah, he's, that, <laughs> every <week. laughs> Yeah, he's literally hatching stuff out like all the time. So, um, you know, they're they can be just as prolific. Those the pair that he has, I think they're only a year old, um, or the few that he's has, and he mm-hmm. basically had to start over by raising babies, um, and. Yeah, putting those to use, but you can see how he's doing it, and he's already got I think I think a couple clutches already um, from those one year olds. I don't push my animals, so I typically wait till they're about eighteen months to two years old to breed, and they give me better results, and mm. I, I get more life out of them. Um, so I don't I don't really push them too much. I, I I purposely wait till like they're eighteen months and two years old.
0: Now, do you think that the sort of desert Australian stuff is more difficult than sort of the more tropical, like Indonesian stuff or vice versa?
3: Mm, I find the Indonesian stuff, the especially the small islands, a lot harder than the Indo- the Australian stuff. Does that uh, go
1: as far as like care or breeding or both? Mm, breeding. Okay.
3: Yeah, breeding is a, a lot, a lot harder. There's just... You know, most of those Australian stuff, if you think about it, right, like if we have, you can just go across the board. Um, Flavies and sand monitors are produced here. Lace monitors are, are produced here. Um, Ackies, the blackhead monitors, Kimberleys are produced here. Primordius are produced here. Um, Quadriolennis are, Gelani are, Jel- are, are produced here. Mm-hmm. Um, Kingorum are produced here. The lististic ones are produced here. Let's see. We have uh, uh, there's a there's a couple more, right? And those are were all the Australians that are produced here. But if we were to go and say peach throats are not produced here, dorianus or blue tails are not produced here. Um, the tree monitors are now starting to be more produced here. Okay, but they're like they're a different different kind of you know different different type of monitor than the other stuff. Right. Yeah, that they're kind of the local, real thing. Right? Um, the mangroves. Uh, I'm the only person that's really doing them here like that. Um, let's see here, like black roughnecks, brown roughnecks, dumeril's monitors are not produced here like that. Hmm. You know, um, most of those smaller island endemic um, water monitors, like kamingai, are being produced here, but you know, not like in crazy numbers. But they're mm-hmm. being produced here by a few guys, just just in the last few years too. So, um, you know, like the water monitors seem to be a lot simpler as far as most of the Asian and Indonesian stuff. But when you go and doing try to do other stuff that are within the same region as those guys, they're just a lot harder. They just prove to be a lot harder, you know, like crop you, monitors, really hard.
0: I think it has something to do with the fact that the Australian stuff seems to do... Like, they're easier in terms of, like, you can have animals together and not really have to worry about them as much as you do the Indonesian stuff. Not as aggressive towards each other. there's a social aspect to them that separates them a little bit.
3: Right. You can see almost, like, they're they're social. They're Mm
0: -hmm. a
1: a
3: lot cooler with having the male to a couple female dynamic. Man, mine, uh, they basically claim that nesting area, and if another female comes close to it, she's dead. Right. It's kind of like how, yeah. how how they how they play around. Um, even if the the females laid and there was a male that she bred with, um, and where you would think they would get along um during her time of laying and protecting all that area, she's gonna actually attack the male. Um, so I have to kind of remove him, or that's why I have my partitions up. Mm-hmm. So that way they're kind of uh they're say they're safe somewhat. From each other mm.
0: i just kind of notice a pattern like the australian stuff if you keep them in pairs you know they seem to do okay like water monitors yeah. think about water monitors and like the major cities and stuff where they're native you see like big communal sort of of groups yeah. of them you know so maybe there's like some aspect to that that just right. kind of makes yeah. those easier i don't i don't know it's just me. yeah
3: yeah and that that's how that's why it's so it's it's difficult because um not that there's, I don't, I don't want to draw a line and say that there's two sides, but basically there kind of is. Where the Australian stuff, you can kind of heat them and feed them, and they do their thing, right? But the Asian and Indonesian stuff, and the African stuff too, because they're not being readily produced like that, um, need need a bit more um, specifics and a little bit more strict on the diet and how you do it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit a bit tricky where i don't promote heat them and feed them you know Mm -hmm. um and i i kind of do a seasonal drop and i change the humidity a bit along with that i time the diet to to dwindle down as well and then i bring them all back up simultaneously with heat humidity food and all that and that typically would give me a really good season um i've learned that that's how I've also opened up a a whole cycle and a whole period of her developing follicles that time, right? Mm. And then I can close it off too by slimming them back down. Mm -hmm. Um, That close off hasn't been the easiest. I've had to learn that this last year by basically not feeding females so much after they lay. Um, But it can be a killer too if you just have them go and go and go, you know? Um, and so it, 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 can be, it can be tough. Like I have a female Kylie monitor that is giving me only one good egg out of, I think 20 that she's laid in the last yeah, year, not, not clutches, but 20 eggs, you know, mm-hmm. right. Um, Cause the cl- each clutch is only about three eggs and, um, yeah, she'll, she's laid a good, good half a dozen clutches or so.
0: Well, you had mentioned that you would, you were, you started keeping the, the mangroves cooler
3: yeah it was, i I'm like, no longer you
0: keeping them at before and what have you dropped them down to
3: um before i was only aiming to do 80s at the lowest right um and uh coming out of winter is, that, is the,
1: that ambient or like a basking spot
3: oh sorry ambient at the on the lowest cool end side okay i gotcha right um and then the hot side would be you know typically warm and hot basking areas 120 Mm. 130 surface temperature right and um but i wouldn't let them really go below 80 now i go below it all the way till 65 70 oh wow um, on purpose Mm -hmm. Uh, not only do i notice them chase it and they'll they'll go over when i apply it um but i you know I, it's it seems like they they want to to utilize that temperature and space while they're Mm -hmm. while it's available, you know. Mm -hmm. Um so now I no longer just have it available when I'm cooling them down, but it's also a part of their normal everyday even during the hot season. Mm -hmm. Um yeah so it's it's a little tough during the really 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 uh hot months here where it's like a hundred degrees outside. I have the AC on they have really low wattage bulbs where they can bask just a bit, you know, I'm not feeding them a ton. It's just so hot anyways, really. Right. And, um, they, they get to just hang out where it's a little bit cooler all around. It's not, it's not blistering hot and it's, you know, the the cage is also extremely hot as well. It's not, it's not that at all. Um, so now in my, my summertime season, when it's summer for me in uh, Indonesia and Australia, That's their dry season, right? Um, And so I basically have to mimic what the weather is similar over there, where it's not that you know people think um, um, like I'm having their weather change drastically. What I'm doing is is just cutting the humidity back a bit, and then Mm -hmm. the temperatures aren't so blistering because I don't have a bunch of heat lamps on anymore. And so I'm kind of utilizing all this if I. If I don't have the heat lamps on, there's no point for me to feed a lot. And then the humidity is also low just because the heat isn't driving any of that, the humidity up, right? Mm. Um, And so everything is kind of chilly. And I'm mimicking the southern hemisphere during my summertime here Mm. um, where it's a little bit drier. Um, My AC is making the enclosures cooler and drier because the AC naturally dries it out, period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not spraying a whole ton and it's not as hot. So yeah, once I once we get into fall and it starts to rain, everything goes back up for me. Um, so this next year or this, this next summertime, I plan on doing that with everybody, everybody that isn't going to be breeding and basically slim them down, take the temperatures back a bunch, and the humidity down the weather the, the the food down and then once it's october and we get our first few rains and the weather starts to change and you you know you get a feel of everything right and that's when that's when i start making my my uh my add-ons back with the heat and the humidity and everything like that mm-hmm. so
0: something i've always wondered about especially you know with snakes too but like especially chondros and and other Morelia and stuff is you know the winter breeders and how we're able to make things happen when our seasons are are the opposite of what they experience naturally and i don't know you just you think about like there would i would think there would be a pretty clear difference in barometric pressure you know in the warmer months versus the cooler months but somehow and maybe it's just a product of captivity and, and us having stuff for extended periods of time that they adjust to that switch in the yeah. schedule but i just thought especially with wildcat stuff like i wonder if that plays a part in why some of that the imported stuff takes much longer to, to get around to actually breeding is yeah. just, you're like you know you're taking them and completely flipping <laughs> right scales, you know
3: mm-hmm. and um, i feel like with the monitors it's not as i do it because that's where that's i kind of keep my animals on this this whole schedule right i just yeah. don't want them just yeah. to breed whatever. um so what i'm trying to really do is make it so the rain and the pressure change it actually hopefully it, i'm not wasting that time frame you know yeah right it, for me to not try to breed during that time frame would mean basically giving up a whole season, right? And so, i I have getting, been getting much more success from when it's September, October, November, December, all the way until March. I get a lot of success actually. Mm-hmm. Um, got get my most results right. Most females going into whatever most eggs laid. Um, but summertime is just, you know, before it was either so blistering cause I was keeping stuff so hot that they wouldn't do stuff. But now because I'm changing up, I purposely don't do a whole lot in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And before I was he- eating, feeding them and heating a lot during the summertime. Right. And so I would trick myself and actually basically set myself up to fail during the winter because they were fed so much during the right. summer. Right. And so... <clears throat> It didn't um you know when I tell people it takes me a whole year to prepare for one season that's what I mean so I should have taken advantage of March April May June and July and not feed a ton then you know mm-hmm. yeah but so, I mean it's
0: hard because you got everything sort of synced up and on the same sort of sort of schedule
3: yeah that's a weird thing it's like I'll I'll have a couple animals do the deed during mm-hmm. the worst times, you know, like mm-hmm. just, yeah. So it really just depends, man. I've had Kimberly's go and a couple females go the, just all here almost. And I've actually had to, like, I had to stop at Kimberly and basically pull her cause she just was laying. And then 20 days later, lay again. Yeah. So it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a had to really figure out every animal Individually, but then also try to do them as a group, so that way everything is synced, and I can just you know plug and play, plug and play, in the same time frame. You know,
0: right? Yeah. The more desert stuff, do you, in terms of calcium, you know, when they're cranking out eggs like that, are you doing anything different with those compared to the Indonesian stuff?
3: You know what's crazy is in captivity, the monitors I keep them; they're basically all the same, so. Because in the in the box, right in the cage, uh, I don't keep the mangroves entirely wet either. Mm-hmm. So, like the surfaces are all dry, but when you go to all the cages, the soil consistency is the same for the Kimberleys and the mangroves.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So when people tell me, "Oh, do you keep them entirely like cre- like you know, extremely different?" i don't at all so the, again the, also the kimberleys they're not exactly from the desert it that that kimberly is a rock gorge with water at the base of it mm-hmm. um and so you know it's uh it's a bit it's a it's a bit different if they were to just go down some they actually can reach a lot of moisture yeah but, you know, if, if you were to think about desert like a real true desert monitor that would be varanus grisius. And those guys can, those guys are from like Egypt and like stuff like that. Right. So that's like real desert animal. Um, And not to say that the Kimberleys aren't found in, you know, slightly arid looking areas. It's just, there's more to their habitat than like what we see, you know? Yeah. Um, And so for me, I used to think that way too. I used to just have a ton of dryness at the base and it was nothing but dry sand. It had no, no water in it at all. And then I'd have a slightly moist nest box. And then that nest box would have what they, what I thought they needed. But now, when I get better results with them shedding and not losing their tails and not having issues shedding at all with their toes and stuff like that, um, it's because now my base has dense, deep, moist sand Mm -hmm. um and i add a layer of dry stuff on top of it so they're not touching it but that's just what i now do with all the enclosures too Mm -hmm. so um my 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 mangrove stuff has uh 70 to 80 percent sand and then the rest is like rotting leaves and twigs and and soil Um, so it's mm, basically all around Roughly the same because in captivity, you know, it's not a whole lot different. Um, you're kind of just keeping them all really the same. Um, for, for me, anyways, that's how I feel. Where my cause my Kimberly cages, they're just as humid, and nothing is where I think people kick themselves and drive themselves crazy trying to achieve like let's say 80% humidity, right? It's gonna it's a it's kind of a bitch to do without having to add a ton of moisture into your closure right so what i do is um instead of adding so much moisture and then they get they get bumblefoot or they get blisters from the cage being too wet because you're overly saturating it mm-hmm. um, even like water animals like non can get stuff like this right uh, or my mangroves also get stuff like this when i overwater the cage they basically end up with blisters and then they end up with bottom sores or their belly is all pink because of their them sitting on too much wetness right um and so what i've had to do is just mm-hmm. you know dry dry those surfaces out and and you know keep them from from doing all that you know what i mean
0: yeah mm-hmm. uh, For sure. yeah how do i get my ac to love me
3: <laughs> are they small
0: yeah yeah they're still young
3: yeah they're, it's gonna be some time they're gonna have to build that that um that boldness yeah
1: I'm still they not are, convinced they actually yeah, exist yeah Jake has yet to see them he I've comes never, over I've never and he, seen them never man. I'm always in his I snake room anymore. but I've never seen them do you
3: have um is your cage like super cluttered or is it like strategically placed stuff?
0: A uh, little bit of both.
3: Yeah, for for me, I just strategically placed clutter. Oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> have chaos. I'd have,
0: like,
3: I'd have like the stacks, and then uh, wherever they hide, I can see. I can see them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why there's there got plenty want. of
0: blind spots where they can probably see me, and I can't see them. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. And they so, love
0: hanging out under the, the the little dig box that I put in there. That's become a little spot. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. For me, uh, all my baby stuff, I have uh, stacks like reed stacks or flats. Mm-hmm. They're all just piled on top of each other, and they hide in between that. Um, and then I also have like uh, tubes, but the core tubes or the plastic tubes that i have you can see into them
2: mm-hmm.
3: um so even if you know they're hiding you know where they are mm-hmm. um, then, was this also gives them that advantage where if they were to want to come out and check you out they're still protected by that tube it gives them assurance yeah mm-hmm.
0: um, i mean they'll they'll be out like the You know the female seems a bit more skittish than the male does. Yeah, that's that's very. They'll they'll be out in you know if I'm in the room. It's not like I walk in and they disappear immediately, but it's definitely one of those things where if I open the door,
3: you have a front opening cage. (laughs) Yeah. And you tongue feed them at all?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're kind of they're they're getting a little wise to to that now, but
3: where they don't tongue feed anymore, you mean?
0: If I mean, if they're out, they will. But okay. Now, like I, I have my hand out and I have the tong, and they have to come out onto my hand in order to, to take that food. And do they, they do it? Sometimes. Other okay. times, yeah, they, I think they they'll come to the edge of the door. They'll realize what's going on. And they're like, "Yeah, no, dude, sorry, I don't want." Yeah, to do just
3: that. just stay just stay doing that. Um, and then if they don't, uh, don't offer food. Um,
0: okay.
3: Yeah. Don't or just it reinforces it. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, you can try that. Um, you can also starve them for like a week. And then um, they'll be so hungry that the it'll it'll override their their caution because they'll be so hungry they'll just they'll run past whatever and just grab it.
2: Yeah, and then that's what my parents them, did
3: to me. You can get them to touch your palm, and then they'll realize after time that oh I touched him and he's been feeding me. He's not. I don't think he's really trying to kill me. And eventually, that'll go through their head, and then mm-hmm. they'll get bold, bold enough where you'll probably be able to have them come out. You know, past your wrist or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? That
0: yep. female's coloring up real nice, though, man. She's got, she's getting like that really dark, like a lot of black, like a lot of dark, darker tones to her with the really nice. Yeah,
3: they'll go, they'll look a whole lot different basically in a whole, in another year. Mm-hmm. Look, that's what, that's what I love about monitors with that whole pattern change. They just look so much different.
1: So, are the, the mangroves and the Kimberly's all the monitors you have at the moment?
3: I have a couple odds and ends too. Mm. Um, there's uh let's see here. I have a couple blue tails that um, I'm trying to sell for a friend. Um, there is a blue tree here um, let's see here there there was some other like weird looking mangroves but i ended up someone else ended up taking those mm-hmm. um yeah i ended up i end up with stuff all the time that just ends up in my lap you know yeah and i um either sell it or if it doesn't work out i typically don't say no to people that need to end up finding stuff new homes mm-hmm. unless like unless it's outrageously sized and obviously i can't care for it you know right if it's like some huge water monitor i'm not gonna... <laughs> yeah it's it's not coming in here what's your <laughs>
0: what's your feelings on the tree monitors um what do you mean i mean do you like do you do you enjoy them you think they're overrated like what's your What's your experience been with those cuz they have
1: become very very they've become popular. sort
0: of yeah they become sort yeah. of like this mystical and i get it like they're the they're green pretty. and the blue ones and i like the black ones a lot like they are very cool but at the same time you see so many of them come in and people get them and then they wonder why they don't survive and it's
3: yeah um they're they're one of those things like 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 big ass parrots <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's um a lot of people want them they're they're cool but they're, you know, they're for the people that are really willing to, to take their time and and
0: um. Seem like a lot of work. They're,
3: they're fragile. They're very yeah. fragile. They can be very frantic, and if people, you know, when they're imported and they're not acclimated, man, they're they're horrible animals. Um, mm. But you know, if someone gives them the right room and respect and um, I think just just the the whole caring for them with tender loving care and all that stuff like that. It's just a, that's the way to go about it rather than, I think some people are just buying 1.1 pairs and, you know, it doesn't really end up too well because they don't acclimate well, you know?
0: They also Um, strike me as something that would do really well if you just kind of ignored them and leave them be.
3: Yeah. No, they, they're, I, you know, I've, I've had some growing up and I always end up buying some that I think I want. And then I don't, I don't, what I don't like, I don't like lanky ass lizards. They're just, (laughs) they're just just really frail and um, super skinny and they, yeah, they're, they're more fragile than anything. Um, Yeah. And so for me, I I don't really like that when they're all spazzy. Um, That's, that's my, that's my dislike about them, but Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they deserve, you know, their, their, their popularity and everything like that they're definitely a cool lizard if you can get you know get them to be calm and all that stuff like that or even if you just want to appreciate them in their cage they're pretty cool too um but man raising little cute captive bred babies i don't don't think i don't think many baby monitors can beat baby tree monitors that's Mm -hmm. that's that's a hard one um you know and then the fact that Importers are charging more for them. Um, You know, not only is it costing more to bring them here, um, importers are realizing what they're getting, what they're not getting because what we're charging here for them, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're obviously hit to the U S market prices because they're available online to see, you know, and they can just go on morph market or full fauna and, see that they're available for $3,000 or $5,000 for a blue tree female or something like that. Um, they're, they're not stupid, you know? So they're probably going to, they're raising the prices over that too on top of shipping and importing and whatever freight, other costs that you want to add onto the price. Um, yeah, they've, they've gone up in price a lot, man. Um, the rarity on those, they always say the same thing every year and every year the price goes up the numbers don't come in as much as they did before but they still come in um and they're imported i see them every every few months so that means there's still somewhat of a steady supply Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the price has definitely gone up from um you know like if you buy five you can buy five green tree monitors for 350 you know something like that right um, they were pretty cheap, and now it's not looking less than a thousand bucks per animal. Um, Jeez, yeah. That's just that's just the wholesale price. So um, black tree monitors were on the lowest of the 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 demand, just because I don't think people like the black animal too much as compared to the other ones.
1: Right?
3: And you can find those. You were able to find those for six hundred dollars. Um, that was a retail price, but you yeah. know now they're two to three g's or uh, 1500 bucks easily
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah and so they're they're cool animals um not really much of my taste after keeping so many monitors um yeah 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 they yeah. like it a, they like it cooler too my place gets really hot
0: what about roughnecks
3: uh black ones or brown ones
0: Both, Um, I don't know. That's that's one that has always caught my attention. I don't really see them being kept very much. I'm also not really hip to the circles and who's you know who's got them and stuff, but those always look
3: brown, brown roughnecks are the doom rolls monitors. That's the one with the orange head as a baby. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen those, Mm -hmm. yeah. That orange head basically dissipates after a few months of age and they come, they become a more of like a mud look. And they're an actual mud type of monitor too. The way they they're, they're the way they like to live.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. So uh, there's a young there's a couple people that have them. Um, I think Jim Heck has some, and he's trying with a bunch of adult um There's a young kid by me. His name's Aiden, um, and he has a pair. Just recently got a female to lay a clutch, but they were they were infertile um but uh he's on the right track so hopefully he gets there someday um there's a lot of guys that are trying to breed black roughnecks which are yeah
0: i think it's the blacks that i'm thinking of in
3: particular yeah they have they're the one with that dinosaur beak face yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the ones yeah those guys are super high demand too um but not too many people can breed those guys there's some people that are out there um man i like rob fox um, there's another gentleman. I think his name's like Leon Campbell or something like that. I, I I'm probably butchering his name, or maybe not even saying his last name the right the right one or something. But um, there's a couple guys that are you know with eggs or breeding pairs, um, but no babies yet for America. Um, let's see here. There's a gentleman that was like I think in in um, Eastern Europe or something like that where he. He hatched some out. Um, They were in a magazine and stuff like that. Pretty cool. Um, Other than that, man, I don't see, unless people were to really do something different than what other people were doing with monitors already, like heat them and feed them, then I don't see too many people having crazy success with Rudicola just yet. Um, but they're, they're getting, getting they remind
0: getting. me of buzzards, they're like the buzzard version. Yeah, yeah.
3: You got a picture of one on you?
0: I'm, yeah, I'm looking Let's at see. them right now. They got this crazy
3: beak face. I can't I can't picture
0: what you're uh, okay. I mean, they're color-wise, they're really nothing to write home about, yeah. but no. right they just look cool, yeah. Yeah,
3: they just look cool. They're basically the babies, babies are
0: freaking cool. The, the babies are oh wow, yeah,
1: that is really pretty.
0: Oh, this one? Well, I don't know. This one has like blues they, on.
3: it. Yeah, they have they have nice spots when they're young, but that kind of phases out. <clears throat> a lot of monitors end up a drab color when they get older. Right.
0: <laughs> they are very bird-like.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah, they're 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 a tough one to acclimate. If you get them and they're all sucked up, man, they're 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 not going to do too well. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah, you got to keep them extremely. Um, dry but humid at the same time yeah that's weird that's, that's always it. that's
1: always such a hard thing to accomplish that oh wow that is
3: yeah crazy
1: looking, looking. <laughs> that's always so hard to accomplish because i've heard that you got to keep them dry but humid and it's like
2: what that, how, do you, how yeah. do you do that that yeah.
1: <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> yeah
0: like in forgetting sir marshall he's like on the surfboard taking lessons and he's like all right pop up you got to do, no, you got to do a little, got to do it slower than that. He's like, all right, pop up. And he just lays there. He's like, well, you got to, you got to do more than that. <laughs> like, Don't do anything. Don't even try. Pop up.
1: <laughs> well, I guess on that note, we are at the hour 36 mark so kai if people want to contact you whether it be about monitors or getting some grasshoppers from you how can they how can they do that
3: um you can find me uh, easiest would be on facebook just under kai fan uh k-h-a-i fan p-h-a-n um you can also find me on instagram uh, under big underscore big underscore lizard 103 um yeah, those are most of the places that you'll be able to find me, and I'm most responsive at. Um, yeah, you can also find me on YouTube as well under Mangrove Mecca, um, and then yeah, I think that's just about it. There's monitor you know, keeping so, podcast. Well, yeah, monitor keeping podcast uh, on the on the NPR network. Oh, and nice. You should be able to find uh, find me and Alan and our uh, our podcast on there. And awesome. yeah. It's just about it.
1: Awesome, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming back on for round two. You know, I was excited to get you back on. You know, like I said, you're one of our one of our OG guests. So it was, uh, it's cool to get an update from you this long later. And it's you sounds like you've had some huge success ever since, man. So congrats on that and all the awesome work that you're doing with monitors and getting grasshoppers around to <laughs> people all over the U.S.
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, man. Nice catching you up with stuff, and it, was, it gave me time to kind of reflect on all, all the growth that's been going on. Yeah, yeah, it's,
1: man, it's it's awesome. We're well, you guys
3: that. too. It's like uh, you know, everything is just taking off. Time flies. Yeah, time flies, but we're still consistent, and we're here still. You know. Yeah, and,
1: that's the that's, yeah. the that's the that's the important part. You Something's know? working. Yeah, <laughs> doing something right. Yeah, for sure. But well, all right, man. Have a good one, man. You, you as well. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Episode one fifty three. One fifty three. That was a good one. It was full of a lot of a
0: lot of information. I meant to talk about breeding updates real quick too at the beginning of the episode, but we jumped right in. Oh yeah, we we jumped uh, right in. So I one. put dions together this morning. Locked immediately.
1: Yeah, boy. So I was
0: kind of worried that maybe the female would attempt to eat the male because I've read from multiple sources that cannibalism is has been documented in those. So I was like, "All right, please don't eat the male." But they were locked. I came home, like I put them together this morning because she had shed, so I threw the male in right away. He's been cruising like crazy, so I figured he was ready. Um, put him in. They were locked. Came home. They were in the little humid hide together still. So mm-hmm. I was like thinking he was still going at it. I don't know for sure, but the Bimax together, pretty sure they locked immediately as well. The other night when I put them together. Um, so pretty much everything's together minus the blood red podcorns, And then that ghost tester that Chris sent me, I was originally going to pair one of the ladies Island males to her, but now I'm thinking one of those pied blood reds. Maybe I don't,
1: I thought I that was know, the point yeah. of that of that one though. Well, the... I
0: talked to Chris. Chris doesn't seem to really care. He's like, yeah. "Do whatever you feel like doing." So I was like, "Well, if you're doing like that, we're gonna we're gonna around Since like the that, blood reds man. are are in quarantine and stuff still and whatnot, you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm a little yeah. cautious, and especially since Chris has already gone down that road with, yeah. with pathogens and stuff, I don't, I may just play it safe and just do the uh. I probably will just do the male, yeah. the ladies on male, the darker one, hmm. you know, why Le- not?
1: let me know if you need more incubator space for all these. Ads. I went
0: to dollar tree this morning. And so a, the containers I've been using for like humid hides and lay boxes, the lids don't secure very well. They just mm-hmm. kind of pop off and then you have spag just coming out everywhere. So I found those at dollar tree this morning, those little, those those white ones and like try to take the lid off that one that it's on, dude. Hmm. Like these things ain't popping off easy. And that's why I like them so much. And that's why I'm probably gonna go buy like thirty more. And Dollar Tree is no longer just a dollar. Did you know that? Yeah. Everything's a dollar twenty-five. Damn inflation. Yeah. That thing ain't coming off easy, dude. I love it. I like how it fits on the two throw it here so I can show the people because this is on YouTube too. It's the uh, SureFresh brand, so there's like a black label usually on the lid. I took it all off. I was going to melt holes in these while we were doing this episode, but I don't have an extension cord long enough for my thing, so it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, like the lids on these things, they're on there. Like it's a thicker lid too. It's not Yeah. It's not thin, but it'll be good. Nice.
1: Right, so those are going to be humid hides or egg and, boxes? And,
0: well, lay boxes and humid hides.
1: Lay boxes. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so... Well, like I said, if you it's need if you need incubator space for all these clutches. Big enough for yeah.
0: for some of those bigger corns and stuff to, to do go. their thing in. Oh, yeah. And I don't have to worry about them jacking the lid. Dude,
1: and you know what? That's the other thing that I've started doing with stuff like this. You take that. Okay, take the lid off. Flip that sucker over. Put a hole in it right there. That's a perfect hide. Yeah. Like that is a yeah. perfect hide box. I've been doing that with a lot of, like the, a lot of the, little plastic stuff like this, man. You just stick a hole in it or right in the top. You put it upside down, put a hole in the top of it. That's a perfect hide box right there, man.
0: I just I gave the pies. Awesome. The, the blood reds both got, got humid hides, and the male has busted the lid off of his, and I have yet to fix it. And the female, she's just too big to fit in that one that I yeah. gave her. So I was like, I went there this morning because – Dollar tree has so many different sizes of tubs and stuff. And that's right. where I get my water bowls from too. Cause you can get a little five pack.
1: I get, I get the plastic water bowls from there. Yeah. And
0: it's perfect. And they have energy drinks for cheap, some, <laughs> and some monsters and stuff. And they got all the snacks. And since I'm fat, you know, I gotta, gotta make the most out of my trips to dollar tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nice. dollar tree. That's
1: where it's at, man. If
0: you, if you, if you, 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 lift your nose to dollar tree and scoff at it the jokes on you cuz it's like this is also thick like the base of this thing yeah no that's it, a- there's like no flex to this thing at all yeah and i it, it,
1: it might be a little lightweight for a water bowl. I don't know if I trust. No, water dude, you dish. get that thing f- enough
0: with, with, with enough. Yeah, water. I
1: guess if you filled it up. I just dude. I've had snakes, especially like the big pit and stuff. Man, they just nothing safe. From a they big flip those thing. things. No, that I have water dishes with a really wide base now, and oh yeah, they're I spend a little extra on them. The crock dishes you find at Walmart, mm-hmm. but they, pff, I love those things for the for the big colubrids that like to mm, destroy everything. Yeah.
0: So I got yeah, I got these and then I got another container that I want to try for eggs and it's the ones that have the little vent on the top that you press it and it just lifts up this little flap and there's a hole there I'll have to show it no, to you when I we get done But um, I figure I would give that a shot instead of taking the tiniest drill bit I have and right. putting like, tiny holes in there and right. just leaving that one larger, it's not a big hole like it's still small but right. that one hole in the center it pretty, air, pretty airtight? yeah the seal on the lid is good which was a big thing too. So I'm just I'm constantly looking for like the one right, the one tub that works best for eggs or humid hides, yep. slash lay boxes. And I think this is gonna be the one for for that. So if you have a Dollar Tree near you, it's the Surefresh brand and they're white. And so they're gonna look gross by the time your snakes are done with them but it doesn't matter cuz yeah you know they're going to use the hell out of them, it
1: might so. be a little small for like a big yellow rat or something oh, but for yeah, like yeah, corn yeah. For like snakes and birds yeah dude
0: that's perfect. perfect i think once you get into those bigger bigger rats and pitch you office. You might as well just get a small rubber maid. Yeah, no, that's what I'm going to end up doing.
1: I, that's one thing I haven't added to all my glue bridge yet is humid hi- or humid hides or humid boxes. The
0: thorn scrub. I need to do it. She'll fit in this perfectly too. And oh yeah. Thorns just, would be she perfect. just destroys the one that she has now because the lid just pops off with zero effort. And so like I don't even bother fixing it half the time. I'm just yeah. like, you're just going to, Pop this off. You think about
1: putting like a little less moss in there to have a little bit more clearance. No, I kind of like to
0: pack it out a little bit. I think they like it a little more. Like I've noticed with the the babies that I have the human hides in, like when I pack it out, like bury themselves in there. Yeah, they like they really get in there. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm just excited. I just there's so many.
1: Nothing. Nothing's better than finding a new tub, man nothing better if you find a new tub for a new new thing in it your drives snake Katie enclosure Katie
0: crazy cuz i always have a ton <laughs> of these things just laying around everywhere <laughs> but yeah. i'm going to have to melt these i can't really cut these it's just thicker i just i don't you know how those last ones i did i, I used that circular mm-hmm. bit and it just cracked them in some yeah. spots i don't know if these would necessarily crack these also i mean they're not it's thicker but it's not like a brittle Dude, like I harder, just, thicker. I, I just,
1: just, I like melting more because of the edge that it leaves. It's yeah. much more like it's soft. I mean, I mean, not soft, but it's rounded. You know what I mean? It doesn't leave I a would sharp. edge. Rather,
0: hang myself with wax dental floss than have to uh, melt things.
1: That's not that difficult. I just,
0: it's, it's just tedious. It has nothing to do with difficulty. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's boring. Yeah, it does. And take you got to do it ventilated because the freaking plastic fumes will probably cause cancer or something and uh i mean i say that as i smoke cigars every day but that's that's different (laughs) that's not the same it's not plastic i will be sure to give an update on i know this is going to have everyone on the edge of their seats but how well these these boxes work so everybody's going to be waiting for that one man Yes. So this was episode 153 of THP.
1: With Sir Kai Fan, episode two with him.
0: This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Rack's Cages. Hit them up. Best um, of the best. Some cool stuff in the works.
1: Often imitated. Never, never, rep- never replicated.
0: Never duplicated. Or replicated. Often imitated. Uh... Yeah, awesome racks, awesome cages, to fit just about anything you might need, minus like massive reticulated pythons that pretty much need a room.
1: They sell they sell big cages though, man. Yeah, they have got XA, yeah, they got
0: seventy a freaking beast, man. They've it's got gigantic.
1: Some, they've got some big cages. I think what is their biggest one? Six by three by three i think i know they in have that,
0: like regular cages yeah but they have that other i know that that's sta- caster, it's like
1: a stack huge. yeah it's really tall but it's not it's that's four like doors. four it's like four feet long by like almost six feet tall it's, i, I think, think it's
0: pretty much four of the xt4s together yeah. in one right. right like not individual cages but like if you yeah. take four of those four footers and put them all together yeah so they're really it's pretty wild
1: Really tall, you know, really wide, but then they have one, I think it's the xxt XT six. That's like, it's like yes, six feet long, six, well, six feet got long a by six footers. Right. Well, they have a six by two by three, two by two. And then the biggest one I think is six
0: by three by three. Don't quote me on that. I would have to look, but, but they also have the bioactive options with the deeper yeah. front lip. So yep. if you wanted to do like deeper substrate for like monitors and stuff that like to dig, you get the deeper option. Yeah. Uh, which is nifty. Yeah. So.
1: That's a pretty big cage, man. That That's that's, that's, that's hefty. Beast. That's hefty.
0: I would so. like to move the Jansen eye into something bigger. Six foot. Maybe. I don't know necessarily if I'd do six, but definitely like a five. I mean, they're
1: already in four. You may as well bump that sucker up to yeah. six.
0: Yeah. You're right. But. Fully deck it out like it is now. And, yeah. Yeah. You know so
1: keep doing things. um yeah All so right,
0: blackboxcages.com y'all. and Steve snakes wearing his venom hot sauce get you some try that cotton mouth mm. S- S- huh oh, yeah. try that cottonmouth sauce especially because it is especially delicious
1: sauce so good you'll want to lick it off your new black box rack
0: oh yeah I, mm. uh Marietta Georgia <laughs> the show me snake show March 12th and 13th uh officially it is happening. I am yep. off work four-day weekend. We going. And it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We go be I'm there. Yep. Just it'll be just just I'm just excited to, to be out of town for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Me too, dude. Oh my people. God. Bill Bradley's gonna be there. Yeah, I'm so excited. Jason Cannon's gonna be We're there. staying at the same hotel Bill is staying at, right? Yeah. The same one. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, Jason Keller's gonna be there. Oh yeah, I'm excited. To meet I don't Keller know if too. Jeremy turgeon is going or not oh i need to ask if oh i, I need to see if jeremy's gonna be there he might
1: oh, man, um, that, that'd be cool i love jeremy man he's good dude. i'm sure there's
0: gonna be plenty of other people that we don't know we're gonna be there that it will be but
2: yeah
1: it'll be fun yeah so say we'll hi be if wandering you'll be
0: there. i hope they have soft pretzels mm-hmm.
1: no, if you see it a... like
0: stanley in the office man. It's pretzel day <laughs>
1: it's pretzel day <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all Thanks for tuning in for episode 153. See you next week.
0: Snakes and Stogies 110, 111, something like that. Happened Monday. I know you're trying to leave. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, you're
1: good. You're I, was, like, I was just tapping. Damn it. Be done. No, no. I was just tapping. Snakes and Stogies, yeah. boy.
0: Snakes and Stogies 110, 111. I think it's 111. It's, uh, Monday night, 9 p.m. EST, we are live. Um, I don't know who we have lined up. Uh, next week for THB, we have the lovely folks from um Equatorial Ecosystems coming, oh. along, so that'll be cool because he's got a bunch of cool stuff a lot of yeah. dart frogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'll be good. Cool, so thank you, everybody.
2: Have a great
1: night. <laughs>